payoff from high school. Whistling inside with a two-hand flush. To college. Just wait until March, bro. To the pros. 75 yards by Monty Williams. Uh, I always do that. We cover everything a Michigan sports fan could want. This is uncharted territory. And now, here they are. It's the payoff. What's going on, Great Lakes Bay region? Six o'clock, you know what that means. We're ready to get you going on the payoff. Ben Bosher here on 100.9 The Mitt. Got in the next hour with me. And then at seven o'clock, we're going to get you going to Michigan State, taking on the Iowa Hawkeyes in the Breslin Center. A lot to ride on for the Michigan State Spartans tonight. Still trying to fight. I think they've secured their spot in March Madness, unless they really, really fall off a cliff these last five games. Some tragic stuff would have to happen. Um, But they can continue to each win, climb a little bit higher. We'll have more on that tomorrow. You guys, we we hit Michigan State pretty hard yesterday, so if you want some Michigan State stuff, anywhere you get your podcast, you guys can re-listen to our shows commercial-free if you just search The Payoff. Uh, Hit Michigan State hard yesterday. We'll get them again tomorrow. But I did have a Detroit Lions topic that I wanted to get to to start out the show today. And then in a little bit, about 6.30, is it officially time we can start talking about the Tigers? Can we finally start talking about baseball? I think it's time. Hudson's clapping. I think we're ready to overreact to some spring training stories. Uh, Javier Baez, best shape of his life. Gotta love those pieces. Uh, But I do want to start with the Detroit Lions question. Because we posted this a little bit earlier on our Facebook, if you guys don't follow that, 100.9, Sports Radio 100.9, Demit, um, you guys are great on that. But I, we posted a little question, all right, who is the biggest threat, whether it's a team, a player, to the Detroit Lions' future in the NFC North? And I was kind of caught off guard by how common one answer was that kept coming up over and over and over again. Where I thought the obvious, I thought there was an obvious answer, and there was an obvious answer. Only it just wasn't the one I thought of. The overwhelming majority of people said it's the Packers, the Detroit, pa- uh, not the Detroit Packers. The Green Bay Packers are the team that is going to threaten the Lions the most over the next couple of seasons. I don't disagree with that by any means. I do think there is a larger fish potentially out there, but it's hard to argue against. I mean, the Packers are the youngest team in football, and we're just a few minutes away from going to an NFC championship last year where they would have faced the Detroit Lions. Youngest team in football, average age of 25 years and eight months. They closed the season 7-3 and three in you, if you include the playoffs, and like we said, with nine minutes to go in that fourth quarter, they had an 85% analytic chance, take what you want with the analytics, but they had an 84% chance to beat the 49ers. You have a 21 to 17 lead. You miss your field goal in San Francisco territory, which was kind of a gimme. It wasn't like it was a long field goal. That would have made it 24 to 17. And who knows what happens after that if you make the field goal? What actually happened was San Francisco went up and down the field easily, scored, and then loved through an interception to close the game. And everyone's going to make fun of Love for that. He threw the game away. We certainly did it here, but make no mistake about it. Love figured it out the second half of the season. In weeks 11 to 18, this really caught me off guard. I I knew Love got better throughout the course of the season, but this kind of made me a little more nervous when I started to look into this. First in yards of the last seven weeks, last eight weeks of the regular season. 
second in touchdowns, only one interception, and a 70% completion percentage. Wins over Detroit, Kansas City, so two teams that made the Final Four, obviously. Minnesota and Chicago, say what you want about Minnesota and Chicago, their quarterback situation, and the year. But nonetheless, division wins. Jordan Love figured it out in the second half of the year. So for everyone out there that's saying, by far, the Packers are the biggest threat to the Lions, it's hard to argue that you're wrong because they have been up to this point. You look at the last two draft classes they've had, and they are just loading up Jordan Love with as many weapons as they possibly can. Jaden Reeve, Dontavian Wicks, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, the tight end Luke Musgrave that they got last year. I mean, those are all guys that they've drafted in the past two years. It's funny that Aaron Rodgers complained and moaned and whined about not having weapons for so long, and the second they get rid of them, they just draft a whole ton of them. They've got weapons set for the next couple of years on rookie contracts. You're mostly bringing back the same team. You only have two full-time starters that are unrestricted free agents. Both are the safeties, Darnell Savage and Jonathan Owens. You're slightly below league average in terms of salary cap projection, what you have going for you going into the summer, but that's all made up for in the draft. You've had 24 draft picks the last two seasons. I mean, we give Brad Holmes credit, but 24 picks in, in the last two drafts, and eight of them are top 100 picks? I mean, that's some next-level stuff. You have 11 more picks this season. Five are in the top 100. You got an extra second-rounder from the Jets for the Aaron Rodgers deal, which is looking more and more like a win for Green Bay by the day. And you have an extra third-round pick from the Bills um, from the Rasul Douglas trade that they made in the middle of the season. So, yeah, I guess the overwhelming amount of people out there think the Packers are the biggest threat. And like I said, it's hard to argue against that. But I do think there's other options out there One scares me a lot more than Jordan Love and the Packers do. Now, it's not the Vikings, but let's address them really quick. The Vikings offense is just built to destroy Detroit's defense. Make no mistake about it. Prior to Kirk Cousins' surgery, torn Achilles in the middle of the season after eight weeks, 209 yards per game, that's second in the NFL, 18 touchdowns, that was first, and only five interceptions, With a 69% completion percentage. That was fifth. He was balling this year. Make no mistake about it. At 35 years old, Kirk Cousins was playing just about the best football he's played all in his entire career. And versus the Lions, it gets even more scary. He's 8-3 in his career versus us. 17.5 passer rating. 23-2 touchdown interception ratio. They have built in offense to throttle Detroit's defense. Justin Jefferson is just as much a part of that. His career high in yards is versus the Lions. Actually, three of his six highest yardage games are against the Lions. Good luck, Cam Sutton. Remember that one game Jeff Okuda locked them down for like 46 yards up? That was fun pipe dream for a hot minute. He's gone over 100 yards six of eight times he's played the Lions, and one of the times he didn't get 100 was the first time he played us as a rookie. They torture us through the air. And it brings us to the question, well, is Kirk Cousins even returning to Minnesota? He can't be franchise tagged. Let's get that out of the way so they don't have that little get-out-of-jail-free card uh, to save him. And he's by far the best quarterback free agent available. So you can play the whole, well, Kirk Cousins isn't that type of guy. He doesn't want to leave. He's actually made public comments that he wants to be a one-franchise type of quarterback. He wants to play on one team the rest of his career. 
But since he's by far the best free agent out there, well, then that price tag could go way up. What if Atlanta, what if Pittsburgh pick up the phone and say, oh, we'll, we'll pay you a lot more than that to play quarterback for us. At that point, it doesn't even become about the money if you're Kirk Cousins. It becomes about, okay, I see what they value me at. Does Minnesota, the team, the city that I've given so much to, do they value me? Or are they going to sit here and tell me into my face, sorry, man, at 36 years old, after a torn Achilles, we've got an opportunity with the 11th pick to draft any quarterback we want. We're going to move on, not cough up a crap ton of money to pay a 36-year-old quarterback. We're going to restart with the rookie and move on. Because if Atlanta or Pittsburgh or name whatever other team, Raiders, maybe they're in there, if they really want to throw money at them, Minnesota's going to be forced to play their card. And at that point, like I said, it's not about money. It's about whether or not Kirk Cousins feels like he's wanted in Minnesota. So to say that he's not going to be there next year, I, I mean, that would, whether or not he comes back would send shockwaves through the division, which leads us to our last team, the team I'm kind of the most scared of. The Bears have the story of the offseason in the NFL, and I'm not talking about from a Lions perspective. I'm not talking about from an NFC North perspective. I'm talking about the entire NFL. The next two months leading up to the draft, April 26th, I believe it is, in Detroit, the whole question is going to be, are the Bears going to hold on to Justin Fields, or are they going to move on and take who is widely considered the best prospect in college football at the quarterback position since maybe Andrew Luck, maybe even before then, Caleb Williams, who's been deemed the next Patrick Mahomes. To me, this is worst case scenario if you're a Lions fan. So I'll ask the question and throw out the number. 989-837-6125. Who or what team is the biggest threat to the Lions going forward in the NFC North? I really think it's Caleb Williams. I'll get into it next on the other side of the payoff fueled by Forward Energy. Baby. More of the Great Lakes Bay region's only local sports show. Back to the payoff. Who's the biggest threat to the Detroit Lions little run that they have going? They have a good thing going for them. Make no mistake about it. And I think the Lions are and should be favored to win the division next year. And until I see otherwise are viewed as the favorites, are viewed as the best team. Like, as much as we talk about the rest of the NFC North is rising, the Bears, Vikings, depending on what happens with Kirk Cousins, the Packers, all these teams are getting better, but they still have a while to go to catch up to the Lions, at least the Bears and the Vikings. If you ask a Vikings fan, most of them are delusional. They'll tell you if Kirk Cousins was healthy, they were a lock to win the division no matter what. I think they just can't handle the fact that the Lions finally got it done um, and had a more successful season than they've had in, what, 15, 20 years? Sorry, Vikings fans. They're not the team I'm most scared of, though, and nor is it the Packers. Maybe in the immediate future, maybe next year, the Packers are the biggest threat to the Lions. But what keeps me up at night is, what if Chicago finally, after a hundred and million years, I just looked it up, that's actually how long it was, they finally get a quarterback. It's not Justin Fields. Justin Fields is not the answer at quarterback. And if they keep Justin Fields, I'll be thrilled. Justin Fields is 10-28 and 28 in his career. Okay, Jamarcus Russell, widely considered the greatest bust of all time. 
has a better win percentage than that. Justin Fields in his career is 40 touchdowns, 30 interceptions, 60% completion percentage. It's not good. And the fact that you're even still debating, is this our franchise quarterback or not, it tells you he's not. But it's the Bears. You have to hope as a Lions fan they do something dumb and do the opposite of what would be the smart thing to do, which to me is a no-brainer. The dumb thing to do if you're a Bears GM, if you're a Bears fan, is to want Justin Fields to be your quarterback, which is so funny because what happened week 18 in Soldier Field this year? Justin Fields, Justin Fields, we want, they all chant, they all went berserk over him. And now everybody flipped. At least the people I know completely flipped on him, want him gone. He's now the, the, the most favored team he is to play for next year is Pittsburgh. There are real odds on that. Odds are he's not going to be the Bears quarterback. But if you're a Lions fan today, I sit here and tell you, I hope he is. I get it. He runs for a lot of yards. That's cool. He doesn't win. Can't pass the ball. He rushes for a lot of yards. But what does that lead to? Nothing. He's led the league in both sacks and interception. Or I'm sorry. Sacks, interceptions, and fumbles. He's led the league at all three at one year in his at one point in his career. He's three and twelve versus the NFC North, and two of those wins are against the Lions. So do the math on that. That would mean one team he has not beat. Now would be the Packers. And if you ask the Packers, okay, what do you think the Bears should do? They would, without a doubt, tell you, "I hope they keep Justin Fields." Who, by the way, if you want even more confirmation that he's probably going to be gone. He has done what is the cardinal sin, what has become the most popular thing to do amongst athletes when they're even the slightest unhappy. He has unfollowed the Bears on social media. <laughs> it's a petty thing to do. It's We've seen it happen for Debo Samuel. We've seen it happen A.J. Brown in past years. Sometimes they get traded. Sometimes they don't. It's a petty thing. It, that really is what it is. Um, but he's never beaten the Packers. He's beaten the Vikings once. He's beaten the Lions twice. Two and three versus the Lions. Sure, he kills us on the ground every single time. But when the game's on the line, what typically happens? Ball ends up in our hands. Courtesy of him. You've got this guy coming up in the draft who has been deemed the next Patrick Mahomes, who if everybody remembers was already passed up on by the Bears. The first Patrick Mahomes already got passed up on. For Mitch Trubisky. So if you're a Lions fan, you want Justin Fields back. Like, without question. And if you're, a Bear, if you're talking to a Bears fan who's like, yeah, I want Fields back, you just, just play dumb. Uh, yeah, man, for, for sure. He's really starting to turn things around. And that's what a lot of people will tell you happened on the back end of the season. And, and make no mistake about it, they, they got better. Justin Fields got better towards the end of his fourth season in the NFL, congratulations, you want a parade? Yeah, you started to figure it out three years later. Whoop-de-doo. You're better... C.J. Strout last year is probably the exception. Caleb Williams most likely isn't going to come in and just be this all-star, bring-a-team-to-the-playoffs guy from day one. What happened last year with Strout is a remarkable exception that we probably won't see again. So you're better right now in the immediate future next year if you keep fields. 
So maybe you're a bigger threat to the Lions in terms of next year if you keep Fields. But long term, it's going to hurt you because you're paying him and he's not good. So you're locking him up for a contract. You pay your franchise quarterback. I mean, look what look what happened to John. John's not here today, but look what happened to him, uh, to his team, when they paid Daniel Jones. Now you're locked into him. Now you can't do anything, and you're out of money. You can't win with someone who can't throw the football. Uh, so if you pay him, you're, you're really locked in. The Bears, I will say, though, they, they did have a thing going at the end of the season, and it didn't have a ton to do with Justin Fields' arm. But it was very similar to how the Lions established their culture. The Bears allowed the least amount of rushing yards in the entire NFL last season. That's throughout the whole course of the year. And on the last eight weeks of the season, they had 20 sacks after having 10 the first nine weeks of the season. That was after they traded for Montez Sweat. They just kept generating sacks, controlling the defensive line in both the run game and the pass game. Dominate the trenches. It's our brand of football. It's part of the reason they matched up so well with us when they we went to Chicago the second game against them. They control the trenches on defense, do the same thing on uh, offense. Second most rushing yards in all football, only behind the Ravens. The difference between Lamar and Justin Fields, though, is Lamar figured out how to throw the ball, and he's really damn good at it. I forget you're a Ravens fan over there, Putson. Um, he, he got over that hump. Justin Fields, in year four, has still not done that, even though he had DJ Moore. And granted, I know he had no offensive line, but it's been four years. Like We have to see more than just progress the last eight weeks in, four, in, in year number four. So you want the Bears to keep him again. Plus, if they trade him, not only do you have the number one overall pick still, not only do you have the number nine overall pick still because... Um, of what you did to the Carolina Panthers last year. You already have two top 10 picks. You're potentially adding Caleb Williams and an offensive lineman. Caleb Williams and another superstar receiver. And if you trade fields, what are you getting? Second round pick? Third round pick at least? Not only do you get money, or, or do you get draft picks, you save a crap ton of money. You don't have to pay him. For the next four years, granted, it's the number one overall pick, Caleb Williams, so he'll probably... He will get more money than most of the other quarterbacks drafted, all the other quarterbacks drafted. You're still saving money. For the next four years, you got a quarterback on a rookie contract. You've already semi-established an identity on the team. You have all these draft picks. This is a no-brainer. Like, the fact that they haven't already traded fields is kind of blowing my mind at this point. Now, if they end up keeping him and trading out of the first overall pick, fine by me. Trade back with the commanders and take Marvin Harrison. Is he scary too? Sure. But not as scary as what Caleb Williams could be because at his best, what's his ceiling? Patrick Mahomes, that's the comparison. Even if he's Patrick Mahomes light, I don't want that in the division. Not for the next four years, not for the next eight years, not for the next 20 years. We want all the other teams in this division to be playing dominoes with their quarterbacks. They, we want them to be rotating, guys. I want the Vikings to get rid of Kirk Cousins. I want the Bears to bring back Fields. What I don't want is someone here who's going to be here for a very long time, and that would be Caleb Williams. Because whether he lives up to his potential year one or not, 
You're not giving up on him anytime soon. And I get it. There's this giant portion of the audience that's probably out there that thinks Caleb Williams is going to be trash, that he's soft, that he's a mama's boy. He's not going to make it in the NFL. Hudson's shaking his head or nodding. I mean, all that stuff is nonsense. Like, what do what does anyone really know about these quarterbacks at this point? What happened last year with C.J. Stroud? Remember he failed that test that was supposed to test your football IQ? Like, worst score in NFL Combine history? I mean, he's pretty good. Right? He's pretty good. Who cares about the off-the-field stuff? He's Caleb Williams. Watch the film. At his worst, what is he going to be? A pretty good quarterback? I mean, he's being p- compared to Mahomes. Like, isn't that enough if you're the Bears to t- say to yourselves, we're not going to be the team that passed on the actual Patrick Mahomes and the guy who's supposed to be the next Patrick Mahomes? So if you're the Bears, to me, this is an absolute no-brainer. And if you're a Lions fan trying to project who is the biggest threat to us going forward, sure, it can be the Packers in the immediate future next year, but if the Bears draft Caleb Williams... Strap in. This is going to get dangerous. 989-837-6125. Who do you view as the biggest threat to the Lions moving forward? We'll hit the Frick Sports Bar text line in just a little bit. We've also got some Tigers stuff. Is it finally time? Can we talk about baseball just a little bit? We, we do have our station inside of a baseball ballpark, for those who don't know, right here in Dow Diamond. Uh, we'll get to that coming up soon as well. But first, we got a little bit of breaking news. <laughs> All right, I got two things for you. Let's start out on the football side of things. If you haven't seen it already, we posted it on the Facebook. Once again, go give us a follow there. 100.9 The Mitt Sports Radio, 100.9 The Mitt. Tracy Walker thanking the city of Detroit on his Instagram story because he has been released by Brad Holmes. This doesn't necessarily come as a surprise. Tracy Walker was inactive the last few weeks of the season, uh, including the playoffs, I mean, that's what happens. Brian Branch got a lot better. Ify Melifonwu got a lot better. C.J. Gardner-Johnson came back from injury, and all of a sudden there was no playing time left. There was no snaps available for Tracy Walker, who uh, third-round pick in 2018 under the Bob Quinn regime. So one of the longest-tenured Lions there was on the team. I think it's it's still Frank Ragnow uh, as of now, or Decker. Uh, one of those two guys. Uh, he's still going to be on the books for $7 million in dead cap next year. He closes out his little Instagram message with tea time out. Seems like a self-proclaimed nickname to me, tea time. I'd never heard anyone call him that. But hey, nonetheless, congrats on a fun few years in Detroit, I guess. Uh, in other news, Red Wings, Rasmussen signing a four-year contract with the Red Wings. He's now locked up for the next four seasons with an AAV of $3.2 million, AVV uh, or AAV annual, average annual value. So that's how much he's approximately going to be making. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of the centers on this team, just 24 years old on this season alone, 12 goals, 23 assists on 55 games, hasn't missed a game yet. There it is. Uh, Sprong next, if you ask me. Get him the extension. Steve Eiser plan is finally coming into fruition. But what about the Tigers? Is their plan starting to work? What's our expectations heading into the season? Optimistic. Pessimistic. What do we expect? That's next on The Payoff, fueled by Forward Energy. The Payoff. 
continues. More from the Great Lakes Bay region's home for sports. Sports Radio 100.9, The Mitt. Bradley Green sits fly ball, center field, deep. Taylor back, still going. Looking up. It's gone! Riley Green's first career home run is a walk-off bomb to center field. Dan Dickerson, 97, won the ticket in Detroit. Well, look at that. What's that sound I hear, Hudson? Is that the crack of the bat? It's... Hudson, your mic's not on, but I heard you myself. Uh, baseball is finally kind of back. The Tigers play on Saturday against the Yankees, their first spring training game uh, yesterday, either today or yesterday, um, was technically the first day everyone was supposed to report. However, most of the Tigers have been there for the better part of a week. Uh, young guys ready to get down there early. Love to see it. Even, you know, Javier Baez oh, putting in the work in the batting cage. Best shape of his life. Sense the sarcasm. Uh, okay. What is our approach going to be heading into this Tiger season? Because you look at the way they ended last year. The bats were semi-hot despite finishing 28th in runs scored last year. You did finish with the best record in the AL Central amongst the division. Granted, I'm well aware this division stinks. They're horrible. This is the worst division in maybe all of sports. But I, do, I just don't care. If, if you win a division, you go to the playoffs, that's a successful season regardless of what your record is, regardless of what the other teams in your division are doing. The goal at the end of the day is to win the pennant. First and foremost, before you can do anything else, be the best of the five teams you play against the most. Well, the Tigers didn't finish with the best record last year in the AL Central, but amongst each other, they certainly did. So you look at what is... The idea that they're going to go into this year is it that they're going to have, you know, develop, keep on developing their players and expand? Or do we expect them to have 10 more wins, five more wins, 20 more wins? Well, I'll tell you right now, CBS uh, put out everybody's win total and they project the Lions to have 81.5 wins. Now, last year, the Lions, uh, the Tigers, football season's done, Ben. The Tigers had 78 wins last season. CBS has them at 81.5. Uh, just for keeper's sake, Twins, 87.5. That's the most in the division. Guardians, 78.5. That's how many wins the Lions. Tigers had last year. And the Royals, 73.5. White Sox, a measly 63.5. Um, what is the biggest swing factor in the Tigers' season? Well, it's the youth and development of some of these young guys. Riley Green being the first guy, for example, who I believe is the most foundational part of this team. I get it. Torkelson hits the home runs, hits the bombs, has the name. People probably buy his jersey the most. But what Riley Green brings to the plate at 23 years old, even the intangibles off the field, this is like the most mature 23-year-old I've ever seen in my entire life. The way he conducts himself in the uh, in the dugout, the uh, in the clubhouse, on the field, in interviews, wherever he is, you can just tell this this guy understands it. This guy gets what's going on, the impact that he has. Well, he finished last year having Tommy John surgery on his elbow, had a fractured fibula earlier, earlier in the season. When he's healthy, this is the most consistent guy on the plate. He's disciplined. And that doesn't even factor into the fact that he's 
a Golden Glove caliber outfielder. I mean, they say what? The ocean covers up 75% of the earth? Yeah, Riley Green covers up the, the other 25%. He's everywhere in the outfield. But the question revolving around the 23-year-old is can he stay healthy? Only 99 games last season. Missed out on, what is it, 63? That's not a good number. And if you want to consider the Lions, uh, oh my God. If you want to consider the Tigers to be significantly better than they were last year, it starts with Riley Green being healthy, being available to play for this team. Spencer Torkelson, on the other hand, well, he's typically there, but the consistency is what gets people, you know, gets people's panties bundled up. He's had his ups and downs in a Tigers uniform. Make no mistake about it. He'll go one homestand hitting 150, dozen strikeouts. Next homestand, he'll be 370 with three bombs. You love those ups. Those lows are really low. And there's always going to be that audience. Well, he hits the he hits the ball really hard. Look at the hard hit rate. Just get on base. All right, that, that's what I care about at the end of the day. It's a nice stat. It's informative. Congratulations, you're hitting the ball hard. You got to get on base, first and foremost. And I think Riley, uh, I think Spencer Torkelson's going to be better at that this season. Am I being a homer by saying this? Maybe. But I'm honest with you about my teams. Tell you right now, the Pistons are the worst-run organization in sports. Tell you right now, Juwan Howard's one of the dumbest people on the planet. I'm honest. When the teams are bad, I'll be honest. But I, I do believe that Spencer Torkelson has what it takes to really develop into one of the better first basemen, one of the better power hitters in the MLB. You look at how he finished the season last year, 820 OPS. You guys are going to come to find out, I love OPS. There might not be a better stat in all of sports than OPS. Uh, seven bombs in the month of September alone. But again, can we get more consistency? Can you start the season like that? Maybe not 377 bombs every month. That would be a little much to ask for. But can you consistently be, I don't know, batting 280 plus? Can you consistently being a guy who hits upwards of 35, 40 home runs every single year? It's realistic. It can happen. At 24 years old, uh, again, the Tigers have zero problem. It's very similar to what Brad Holmes is doing with the Lions, drafting these guys. Maybe this is just a baseball thing in general, but drafting these guys who just come across as so mature for their age. Um, the fact that he's had the maturity, Spencer Torkelson, to pull himself out of some of the struggles he's had uh, early in his career when he was really in the gutter. I mean, that start last year was brutal. I, myself included, was anti-Spencer Torkelson for a very long time. Because it got to a point where it's like, all right, when are we going to see flashes? Because we didn't even see that for a while. He turned things around. He climbed himself out of the gutter. I have confidence he can do it again. Then that brings us to Kerry Carpenter, who just comes out of nowhere and just starts hitting bombs. I don't know how much of a universal joke this is, but in the ballpark, we had this little running joke that Kerry Carpenter was just Kerry Bonds, reincarnated Kerry Bonds. 8-11 OPS on the season, 20 ding-dongs outside of the park in less than a 420 at-bats. To put that in perspective, Torkelson at 600. <laughs> That's a home run every 21 at-bats. So to say that he's going to keep that pace up, probably a little bit unrealistic. But he is moving into probably a full-time DH role with the Tigers this season. Focus a little bit more on his hitting. We don't need him in the outfield anymore. If he can keep that up, I mean, come on. 
The Tigers, by default, if everyone's happy or if everyone's healthy, are going to get better. Tigers offseason additions, a little bit underwhelming. Uh, Matt Kanha, Kanha, Kanha. There you go. Kanha. Thank you. Uh, 750 OPS last season, 11 dingers. Nice little pickup in the second half of the lineup. At least that's where you'd hope he'd be. You don't necessarily want him to be in the first five guys of your starting lineup. That probably means someone's either hurt or not living up to their potential. So to add that bat to the back end of the lineup, I think is a good addition. Um, Kenta Maeda, the pitcher, Japanese pitcher. I, I liked this signing at the time. And then I dove into the stats a little bit more in depth today. Uh, ERA is a little higher than you'd like at four, two, three. Highest home run percentage of his career last season. Second highest strikeout percentage or second lowest strikeout percentage of his career last season. I mean, I liked the signing at the time when they did it because I thought there was going to be more in the offseason. You know, that was still when I was in La La Land and believed Chris Illich was going to go spend money on someone like Blake Snell or Aaron Nola. Shohei Otani. (laughs) Um, Hey, let a man dream. But nonetheless, you bring in a guy who he's not going to be your ace by any means. You got a few guys ahead of him. There's a lot of question marks around the pitching rotation. You don't have this stud unless you want to consider Scuba one of them. But you have a lot of guys who could get better. And maybe that's a weak radio take, but that that is what the rotation has been. It, it has been a bunch of bullpen guys. They've strung together great bullpens to keep that team ERA down. And this season, you have a lot more potential with the starters. Casey Mize comes to mind. What's the expectation for Mize, who has played two games in the past two seasons? I mean, throw the minor league stuff out the window. Throw the stuff from 2021 out the window. It doesn't matter. This is a brand new guy. He hasn't pitched in the majors in two years. And let's be honest, I mean, he is coming into the season 100% healthy, according to him. But what does that even mean at this point? You know, a lot of guys have the post-Tommy John surgeons in their career, but Casey Mize had barely had a career before this. I mean, it was very limited sample size on what Casey Mize was. And to be quite honest, I get it, young pitcher, a lot of expectation on him to really carry a bullpen, but didn't live up to the pick in his short time on the mound. You're going to need to see a little bit more out of him if you want to be considered he needs to be something like he can't be a nothing he can't be someone who comes in and it's like oh yeah Mize is on the mound today sure guess we're gonna have to score four runs like no you have to be able to somewhat lean on him and have good Mize outings that's how I'm not even asking him to be a Cy Young guy I'm just asking him to be someone you can be like semi-confident in that we can put up enough runs every time um to pick up some wins because I mean, that's the most important thing at the end of the day. And then, of course, Javier Baez. Best shape of his life. It's sarcasm, but, <laughs> I mean, every, every sport has this. Every sport has the, the PR push. It's, oh, you should see the work this guy's putting in in the offseason. And then a video surfaces today from spring training in Lakeland of Javi Baez just uh, going live with someone and just, Doing the same thing over and over again. Uh, you can be in the batting cage as long as you want, man. How about you just sit in the batting cage and watch pitches go by? Don't swing on the outside. I'm convinced Javi Baez has taken years off my life. Years. 
Uh, okay. I got a little game for everyone in just a moment. Uh, but first, let's make some money on the lock of the day. Lock of the day. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. All right, we're on just a tiny bit of a cold stretch. We were super hot two weeks ago. We almost had a perfect week last week. Eh, not so much. Didn't start out great yesterday. Actually, that's not true. I gave out three. Well, I gave out three plays yesterday. And then I actually locked up one of them as my lock of the day. That one actually hit. The other two didn't. Um, so I guess we can consider that one a win uh, by the technicality. So let's ride into today on a one-game win streak. Houston pulls out the win last night and the cover in what was just a defensive nightmare of a matchup against Iowa State. Today we're going to Iowa. Well, I guess we're going to Breslin. Uh, the Iowa Hawkeyes are in town taking on Michigan State. Team under is the play today. 72 and a half is the team under for the Iowa Hawkeyes going against Michigan State. This is the second best offense in the Big Ten. They average 83 points a game. They are 14th on Kempom according to efficiency on the offensive side of the ball. All right, so why are we taking the under? Well, they play with the 24th fastest pace in all of college basketball. 360 teams, they play the 24th fastest. They attempt 105. They have attempted 105 more shots than anyone in the Big Ten. They get up, they get down. Michigan State, 15th Ken Palm efficiency on defense, 285th in pace. There's not going to be enough shots for Iowa to get to 72 points tonight. Michigan State slows down the game, grinds it out on the defensive side of the ball. And let's not forget they're in the Breslin Center. This is one of the best places to play if you're a Michigan State person uh, in all of the Big Ten. At home, they've only allowed one Big Ten team to eclipse 73 points or more, and that was Illinois when they scored 80 in their loss to Michigan State 10 days ago. So the lock of the day found this early in the AM today and just knew immediately this was to play. Iowa team under 72.5 points, and that was? Doesn't matter if you have one ass cheek oh. and three toes. I will beat your ass. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Hudson, I'm gonna per- I'm gonna guess that you accidentally clicked that, but you know what? I think it worked out. Anytime we can hear from MCDC Dan Campbell, uh, a blessing, blessing type of day. All right, we've got a little game next. It's called For Better or For Worse Tigers Edition. That's next on the Payoff, fueled by Forward Energy. Back to the payoff on the Great Lakes Bay region's home for sports. Yeah, everybody looks good at home. Sports Radio 100.9, The Mitt. 989-837-6125. You guys can use the Frick Sports Bar text line to chime into your opinions however you please. You guys can also give us a call. We'll play the message, uh, whether it's the day of or the next day. Your voices matter. Your opinions matter. And right now we're playing a little game. It's called For Better or For Worst, Tigers Edition. I'm bringing in producer Hudson to help me out a little bit. He's going to go through the projected starting nine for the Detroit Tigers this season. He's going to give me a stat from last year, and I'm going to tell you whether or not that stat is going to be better or worse in 2024. Ooh. Set the mood a little bit, Hudson. Try my best. All right, we'll start with Mr. Parker Meadows. A batting average last season of 232. Better or worse? I I honestly am kind of surprised it was that low. I feel like he came onto the scene and made an impact immediately. Uh, He definitely started hot. I guess he cooled off towards the end in September. I'll say better. There's no reason he can't do better than that coming into his second year. Okay. He's going to start the year as a Tiger. He's going to get his bunch in at the beginning. Um, 
kind of a superstar in the outfield too. I'll I'll take his over, or I guess a it's better over. batting average than that. Yeah. yeah. Would you agree? Yeah, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. I think he'll get more plate appearances too, so that'll yeah. help him out. I mean, it should. Yeah, you'd think you'd hope. All right, and then we go to your favorite stat, the OPS, and who you were talking about earlier, Mr. Riley Green, seven ninety six OPS for Riley Green last season. Better or worse this year? Better. I'm all in on Riley Green. This like this is my guy, and I get it. You can call me a homer. That's that's fine. This is the team I'm rooting for. This is the the player on the team that I think is the most foundational to the Tigers' success. If he's at the plate every single time, every game you could count on it, he's going to get a hit. How rarely is he going to go 0 for 4? Over, it just doesn't happen. He either walks or he gets on base via a hit. He is so consistent. He gets around the bags, superstar in the outfield. I know that has nothing to do with the OPS, but only 11 home runs last season. I, I expect he put in a little bit of work in the weight room over the summer, right? I, I think, think he can get that number up. I would think so. I, I was going to go home runs for for uh, Riley Green, but I'm like, no, OPS is, is a better one to look at. I assume you're going home runs for who's probably going to be in the three-hole this year, right? No, I am not. Spencer Torkelson, RBIs, 94 last season. Ooh. See, this is a tricky one because this is basically asking, okay, how often are Riley Green and Parker Meadows? And I guess whoever's in that nine-hole, Jake Rogers, for example, how often are they going to be on base? Um, if Riley Green's playing more, he played 99 games last year. If he can play upwards of 140 this year and miss limited time, Parker Meadows is going to be here to stay. I'm going to go over. He's going to have more than that if, if Parker Meadows is leading off and Riley Green's in the two hole for the entire season. If those guys can stay healthy, they're going to be on base way more. So yeah, I'll take I'll take Torkelson over. What was it, 91 or 94? 94 RBIs. Yeah, I'll, I'll go over. Okay, I'll uh, go to the four slot. Kerry Carpenter last season. 39 extra base hits. Ooh. 421, I believe, at-bats. Gosh, that number is going to be higher, the at-bats. But what he did in that short stretch was unreal. To expect, like, the average to go up, to expect the OPS, like, that's where I struggle. And if you would have said OPS or average or anything that has to do with, like, per at-bat, I probably would have said less. Well, looking at baseball reference for their projections for the season, I know that's not always right, but they have Kerry Carpenter at 38 extra base hits for this season. So, uh, and, what did, and what did he have last year? 39. Wow. I mean, yeah, the, this, the pro references is, are, are what they are, the projections. I didn't even know they did that until today. Um, I'll go over just based on the at-bats. I mean, if he's going to be the everyday DH, then I think he's going to have more. I'll go over. I'll go over. What do you think? I think you'll go over too. I think he'll have more at bats like he talks about. And I just think that gives him more opportunities. A couple more bombs in there. That helps him out, I think. Hope so. Hope so. All right. What do you got? Now the new, the newer Tiger uh, from Milwaukee, Mark Canna. Batting average last season of 287. Better or worse? Played for two different teams last year. Oh, the Mets, yes. Yeah. Um... 284. That's pretty high. I feel like there's going to be a lot of pressure off of him. Like he's not going to have to carry the weight um, yeah. like he did some of the past teams he, on, he was on. I know the Mets have a bunch of superstars, but I mean, they were struggling. And I think the young guys on the Tigers team have kind of put a lot of weight on their shoulders intentionally. I know Riley Green 
knows he's the man on this team. I know Spencer Torkelson absolutely knows for a fact he has to be better, and it's not because of anyone else that they're not winning. And I think Mark's probably coming into the year a little bit more loose. He knows this isn't his team by any means. Pressure's a little bit off of him. He's really embraced the young guys, I would say. And it's it's kind of bringing out the youth in him, making him a little more loose. I'm going to go over. I think, he does, I think he has a good year. I would love to agree with you, but I'm going to have to disagree on you. Disagree with this. I just think the age starts to catch up to him a little bit. I mean, how old is he? Um, He's up there. He's like 36. This is his 10th season. That means nothing in today's MLB. (laughs) You could could be 33. You could be 40. I don't think it says. We'll we'll come back to it. Well, yeah, we'll get to it. All right. Colt Keith in the minors last year in a mix of double and triple A. Total Mm. bases had 280 of them. Mm. Well, that's got to be lower, right? I mean, you can't, like, as much as we love Colt Keith, as much as the Tigers love him enough to pay him this giant extension through 2030 before he even steps on an MLB field, you you can't expect him to not have struggles early on in his career. This is the major, like, the, the step between AAA, you can be the best AAA guy there is of all time. And a lot of the guys are going to struggle in the majors. Look at Spencer Torkelson. I don't want anyone to be alarmed if I say the under here. And if he starts out the year horrendously, the way Spencer Torkelson did when he was a rookie, so what? Like give him, give him a little bit of time. So I'll, I'll say the under on this. I, I would agree. I mean, facing the MLB is a little different than double or triple A pitchers. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, like that's a that's an enormous difference. Uh, Canna's twenty five years old, or thirty five years old, by the way. Okay. Not, that's not too bad. I, if you, no, I, that's I thought, not he, bad. I thought he was older. But and it's just different in baseball because it's like... You can like, get to the league when you're 29. Well, not even that, but I was going to say like... It just depends on how you take care of your body because you can do the Miggy route and like, I don't know, you, you're, I'm going to be a fine hitter, but I'm not running anymore. Fair. Fair. Sometimes you lose the power, but you can hit better. I don't know. Everybody ages differently in, in this league. It's weird. All right, who's next? All right, my favorite Tiger. Oh, God. Javi Baez. Last season. You got to explain why he's your favorite Tiger. You um, can't just be saying things like that and not expect like people to crash their cars into oncoming yeah, traffic. That's that's fair. Um, The reason I am a, a, a huge Cubs fan, uh, bigger than the Tigers, so NLC, NLCS MVP helped us win the, okay. the ring. Uh, you know, okay. You know, okay. You know. Yeah. all right. We get it. Yep. Dog. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Um, Maybe a Chihuahua. Hey, is that a dog? All right. Last I guess. Se- <laughs> last season, he had 125 Ks. What is it this year? <laughs> uh, oh, God. If you want to know the projections, do you want to know the projections? Yeah, yeah. Tell me the projections. Um, for baseball reference, they have 137. And he had 125 last year? Correct. Oh, my God. And part of me is like, there's just simply no way he strikes out more than he did last year. There's just there's just no way that can happen. But I, I said that two years ago, and then he turned into quite literally one of the worst players in all of baseball last year. And I don't say that like non-hyper... Like, I don't say that hyperbole. Because he, for a long time, was 262 of 262 eligible for OPS. And for a long time, he was top three in errors. This guy's the worst. I'll take his over. He's going to strike out more. Dang. And he's going to cause me to have gray hair at the age of 25. All right. What? He's batting in the seven hole. That means we got two more guys? Yeah, I got two more guys. 
Mr. Zach McKinstry next playing probably third base, a little utility. Mr. CMU. Yo. Uh, by the way, four minutes left. Central Michigan, big game tonight against Bowling Green over in Mount Pleasant. If you win tonight, automatic bid into the MAC tournament. Continue. Something else about McKinstry, former Cub. Go Cubs, go. Uh, <sighs> all right, Tigers talk. Uh, McKinstry, we're going to the field, the defense. At third base last season, fielded 938, better or worse this year. There is no projection, so I can't. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm going to say more. Was it? He's kind of a utility so guy. What? So, hit, yeah, yeah, higher, higher. Sorry. He's kind of a utility guy, but like, I feel like going into this year, his role is a little bit more clear that it's going to be primarily third base. So I would hope this offseason he's been putting in the work at third base and kind of taking that role on. I get it. He can play everywhere. We'll probably see him in a lot of different spots, but... I mean, you have to think all offseason when the Tigers don't sign a third baseman, that's probably your role. So I think I think he got a little bit better on defense over the offseason. At least I'd like to think that. I would agree. I mean, you could, 938's not terrible. I mean, it, yeah, can it's only not go, bad. it can only go up, right? Yeah. All right. Mr. CMU. Mr. CMU himself. Fire up. From in the nine spot, we go behind the dish. Jake Rogers, last season, 21 bombs, over or under? <laughs> uh, all right. For During the offseason, I kind of thought they were going to bring in someone new. I, I have nothing wrong with Jake Rogers. I like him. Is he a superstar catcher? No. Is he a very serviceable catcher? Yes. Does he have an awesome mustache? Double yes. Is his dad being on Bally Sports, being interviewed by Johnny Kane, one of the funniest things of all time? Yep. Sure is. Um, I don't even remember what you asked. Tw- 21 bombs. Ugh. Yeah, last season. Projection it's, 19. It's the, what worries Yeah, what worries me is the at-bat opportunities. Because you're as a catcher, you're just getting limited ones. You're getting off days more often than some of these other guys. And it really did feel like there were stretches last year. It was like, oh, Jake Rogers. <laughs> of course he had another bomb today. Uh, it was that, like that McCain year that yeah, a couple years ago. Yep. Yeah. I don't know. That feels like it's not repeatable. I'll I'll sadly, as much as I love that mustache, love that little beard he has going, I'll take the under. He has less than 21 home runs. All right. Maybe he has 21 on the dot. Who knows? All right. That wraps it up. You want a recap of what you, what you picked? Uh, yeah. So we did Parker Meadows. Yep, so Parker Meadows better than a 232 batting average. Yep. Riley Green better than a 796 OPS. Yep. Spencer Torkelson better than a better than 94 RBIs. Kerry Carpenter more than 39 extra base hits. Mark Canna better than a 287 batting average. Colt Keith lower than 280 total bases. Javier Baez more than 125 <laughs> strikeouts. And over under 17 times, I banged my head into the table watching that happen, hammering the over. Go ahead. That's a lot. Zach McKinstry, more or a, a better fielding percentage than 938 at third base this season. Yeah, I'll take the over. And then Jake Rogers, less than t- 21 home runs. Sadly. Sadly. All right. That's going to do it for us on the payoff. Michigan State about to tip off against the Iowa Hawkeyes. Lot riding today. They keep winning. I think they can keep climbing, potentially all the way up to a sixth seed if they can get it done in the little March Madness uh, pre-tournament. All right, there you have it. That was the payoff. Hope it was worth it. Yeider Insurance and Auto Owners. Kurt, I own multiple homes as well as multiple.